Ezekiel chapter 36, <clears throat> verse 22. <clears throat> Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which you have profaned among the nations wherever you went. And I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst. And the nations shall know that I am the Lord, says the Lord God. When I am hallowed in your, uh, when I am hallowed in you before their eyes. For I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all the countries, and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people and I will be your God. I will deliver you from all your uncleanliness. I will call for the grain and, the, and multiply it and bring no famine upon you. And I will multiply the fruit of your and the increase of your field so that you need never again bear the reproach of famine among the nations. Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good. And you will loathe yourselves in your own, uh, own sight for your iniquities and your abominations. Not for your sake do I do this, says the Lord God. Let it be known to you, be ashamed and confounded for your own ways, O house of Israel. Father, I ask that you add your blessing to the reading of the word this morning. And Lord, as we look at this message, I believe, God, that you have somewhat to say to us. I believe that we have somewhat to be thankful. And God, we don't want to be those who hear the word and then go off and become forgetful hearers, but we want to be doers of the word. And God, we look to you this morning to open our hearts and our minds and our understanding. We ask for the anointing of the Holy Ghost upon this, your messenger, that God, the words that are spoken might be your words and that they might go forth with power and accomplish that for which you have sent it. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, <clears throat> I know 
in reading this that initially and mainly this is speaking of the restoration of Israel. But under the law, the heart of the people had become like stone. And through his infinite grace and mercy, God says, I'm going to give you a new heart. And I'm going to constrain you. And we talked about that upstairs this morning. We, we talked about the constraining love of God. And he was going to give them a new heart so that their love would help them to accomplish that for which he had called them. He was going to cause them to walk in his ways. And so I believe that we can apply this scripture, even though it's originally written to, to Israel, I believe we can apply it to us as Christians. I believe that the unbeliever who is living in sin can look at this as a promise from God. God says, I will give you a new heart. So let's look at this this morning from all of these angles. Let's start and look at the disease that is spoken of here in verse 26. He said, I will give you a new heart and put a new heart within you. I will take a heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Here we have a diseased heart. You've heard of hardening of the arteries. Well, this here is a heart that has become hard. A heart of stone. And as such, it's cold. It's become insensitive. It's past feeling. All the warmth for God and his word have just died as far as this heart's concerned. It's hard. Not easily impressed. Unyielding as a, as a stone or a rock. Indifferent to the influence of the light that is brought forth by the Holy Spirit, our spiritual truth. You know, the unsaved, the unregenerated heart <clears throat> it just cannot accept the truth of God. It just is unable to comprehend spiritual things. Spiritual things are spiritually discerned. And therefore, you need a new heart in order to even receive the message of God. It's calloused. You know, I remember as a child, 
I think back, and uh, I got a I got a closet full of shoes now. I got black shoes to wear with things that need black shoes. I got brown shoes to wear with things that need brown. Uh, I've got work shoes to go go to the garage with. Uh, I got slippers to wear around the house. I, I've just got all kinds of shoes. But I can remember a time in my life when we just didn't have the money to buy these shoes. And so when summer came, the shoes came off. And Mom had all summer long to save up her money to buy some new shoes. And we would go out there and... I don't know, how, how many went through that all summer long without shoes? You walked out there and all of them pebbles, when you first took off your shoes, oop, 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 you know. But by the end of the summer, here you are running down the driveway over those stones and you didn't hurt in the least. And that was because the, the, the sole of your foot had become so calloused that nothing bothered it unless you stepped on a piece of glass and it cut right on through the callus. But that is the way people's hearts become. They become calloused. <clears throat> you remember the first time you did something wrong? And it, it just, oh, your conscience bothered you. Oh, I've got to do something about this. But after a while, after you've done this thing a few times, your conscience stops bothering you. Your heart becomes hard. You don't even realize that you're doing wrong. In fact, you begin to call right wrong and, and, and wrong right. Calloused. <clears throat> and we live in a generation of people whose hearts are calloused, hard. It's not that they haven't heard the gospel message. Their heart's so hard they can't receive it. <clears throat> it's dead. That's all a callus is, is it's just dead skin. And it's incapable of spiritual emotions. No vitality towards God. Death to his call, dumb to his name. And so you can see that this person definitely needs a heart transplant. And so we come to the remedy. He says, I will give you a new heart. They had failed miserably. They had failed God miserably. God says, I'm going to give you a new heart. Hallelujah. He says, I'm going to take out your, your heart of stone, or I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. You know, some people would say a heart transplant is something fairly new on the scene. But God's been doing it successfully for years. 
Amen? He takes out that heart of stone and he gives you a brand new heart. A new heart is a gift from God. It takes the place of the old stony heart. It renews the whole man. Behold, old things pass away and all things become new. Jesus said, out of the heart proceeds the issues of life. And so, with a new heart, the way a man thinks, the way a man acts, the way a man talks, changes. If you have been born again and you have a new heart, your whole life changes. Hallelujah. Because now your heart, instead of being hard, it's become soft. It's a heart of flesh rather than a heart of stone. It becomes sensitive and childlike. It's very easily impressed by the things of God. The stony nature disappears. And all of a sudden, that old cold heart becomes warm. You now have a warm heart. The love of God has found a home in your heart. It glows with compassion for the unsaved. It burns with indignation against sin. You now have a living heart. A heart fitted to have communion with a living God. A heart that's right with God. Let me ask you this morning. Is your heart right with God? I, don't, I didn't say, are you saved? I said, is your heart right with God? You know, there's one thing about this soft, tender heart. If you allow things to go unchecked, if you go without confessing your sins, pretty soon that soft, tender heart becomes hard again. How many heart transplants do you think you can have? You can come to God and confess your sins and God will give you, he will take that old heart, that heart that is now becoming hard and he'll soften it again. Have you experienced the change of heart? I can go back to the very moment in my life when I experienced that change of heart. It was a very definite experience. 
I know that I'm saved because I know when God changed my heart. I'm not the same person anymore. I got a brand new lease on life. I was dead in sins and trespasses. Now I'm alive. So we see as a result here, the new heart opens the way to a new life. Just as someone goes in and he's, his heart's so bad that he needs a triple bypass surgery and, and he's walking along and he, he walks at a pace like this and he's going, <gasps> he can't hardly breathe, can't hardly move. Everything's an effort. Tires very easily. And he gets a heart transplant. And he's got new life and new vigor. Well, God will give you a new heart. He'll give you a new desire to live for him. He'll give you a tender heart. Praise God. And so we see as a result, verse 27, verse 27, he says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Isn't that good? Hallelujah. I will put my spirit within you. And so we see a person who's been possessed by the spirit of God. His spirit becomes the motivating power where once you were motivated by the flesh, you now are motivated by the spirit of God. The old law of sin and death are broken. For the Bible says that soul which sins must die. But now you've got power over it. You've got forgiveness for your sins. Hallelujah. Turn to Romans with me for a moment. Romans chapter 8. Starting with verse 1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation. Say it with me. There is therefore now no condemnation. I like that, don't you? You're no longer under condemnation. You've been set free, glory to God. you got a new lease on life. To those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ, verse 2, has made me free from the law of sin and death. I'm free from that law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemns sin in the flesh. God 
did that for me. He gave me the power over sin. It goes on to say that they that walk after the Spirit, they are the sons of God. They that walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. If you look down in verse 15, it says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Not we're going to be. We are the children of God. And it says here in our text that we're, we will. He says, I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will keep my judgments and do them. Hallelujah. Did you notice who he said was going to do this? God said, I, I will cause. I will cause. I will cause. God is the one who is going to cause you to be victorious. Hallelujah. It's not something we do, but it's something he does in us. Our daily life is made pleasing to God. We're able to walk in his way and to walk with God. To walk in agreement with him. Fully pleasing to him. Verse 28. We get to dwell in the land. Now, in the Old Testament... That land was a physical place here on earth known as Israel. But in the New Testament, he's talking about the kingdom of God. We get to live in the kingdom. We have become a subject of Jesus Christ and we live in the kingdom of God. We're the sons of the king. We're loyal subjects. And I want to tell you something. This is a good land of his providence. It's a good land of his provisions. And it's a good land of his promises. See, once you've gotten to this point, now you can enter into his promises. All the promises of the book are yea and amen in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Then we come to verses 29 through 32 and there's a resting on his promises. I will deliver you from all your uncleanliness. 
you don't have to live in that filth anymore. You can live holiness. I will call for the grain and multiply it and bring no famine upon you. In other places it says he's going to cause them to prosper. But what he's done for Israel physically, he's going to do for us spiritually when we have that new heart. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And I will multiply the fruit of your trees and the increase of your fields so that you need never again bear the reproach of famine among the nations. We don't have to be ashamed. Praise God. Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good, and you will loathe yourself in your own sight for your iniquities and for your abominations. I look back on my past life and I, I'm not proud of it. And if it wasn't for the grace of God, I'd still be there. I want to tell you these are great and precious promises. And he's done all this so that we might delight ourselves in the Lord. Hallelujah. Let me try to sum it up. Verse 32 and verse 22, he says, Not for your sake do I do this. I'm not doing it because you're so good. I'm not doing it because you deserve it. I'm doing it for my name's sake. And that is the way we come to have this new heart. God is not going to give you a new birth or a new heart because you're so good that you finally got good enough to deserve to be a part of the kingdom of God or be a part of the church of the firstborn. But he has done it for his name's sake. Jesus bled and died for you. And that's why he's going to give you a new heart. That's why he's going to take that old heart of stone and take it out and give you a heart of flesh. That's why he's going to give you victory over sin so that you don't have to sin anymore. But you know what? Even though God will do all this, it's still up to us to make ourselves available. Now maybe there's someone here this morning who's never experienced this new revolutionizing change of having a new heart and a new life. I want to tell you it's a reality. It's a reality. I know because I have experienced it. It started for me in a church in Virginia. 
when God reached down and touched my heart and a boy who hadn't cried from the time he was about 10 years old, all of a sudden I wept bitterly and I wept with joy at the same time. He took out that old heart of stone and he gave me a new heart. And you know he'll do the same thing for you. He'll take your old life and he'll make it a brand new life. But you've got to want it. You've got to want it. So while everyone's praying and Pat's playing the piano softly, I want everyone praying. Just bow your heads and pray. I told you that <clears throat> the heart's dead and it can't receive truth until, until God does something to that heart. Maybe you, you've come in here this morning and your heart's been hard. God wants to soften that heart right now. You see, Jesus bled and died for you because he loved you.